grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. service as we make our annual journey to the cross of Jesus Christ and ultimately to his empty tomb on Easter. We are continuing our our Lenten theme this year of eyes on Jesus as we look at our Savior through the eyes of those who were there at his passion as recorded in the gospel according to St. Mark. Tonight we are going to be looking through the eyes of Judas betraying Let's turn our attention to the reading of the Passion History of Our Lord, compiled from the four Gospels. Tonight we see Jesus on trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders of the people. Judas was leading them. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Now the betrayer had had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas approached Jesus to kiss him and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? One of Jesus' companions, Simon Peter, reached for his sword drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. No more of this. Put your sword back into its sheath, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Do you think I cannot call on my Father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? And he touched the man's ear and healed him. At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour, when darkness reigns. This has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. 
all the disciples deserted him and fled. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and took him away. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving the garment behind. They brought Jesus first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Then they took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law had assembled. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. One of, the <clears throat> one of the servant girls of the high priest on duty at the door came by. When she saw Peter seated there in the firelight warming himself, she looked closely at him and said, You also were with that Nazarene Jesus. Are you not one of this man's disciples? He replied, Girl, I am not. I don't know him. I don't know or understand what you are talking about. Simon Peter went out into the entryway and the rooster crowed. A little later, when the servant girl again saw him there, she said to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Someone else saw him and said, You are one of them. Again, he denied it with an oath. I am not. I don't know the man. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Then Peter began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, broke down, and wept bitterly. Now Annas had set, sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. The high priest questioned Jesus' authority about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus had said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is that any way to answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, speak up about it. But if I spoke the truth, why did you hit me? The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their, test, but their statements did not agree. Finally, two came forward and declared, We heard him say, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days I will build another not made by man. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. 
Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. I am, said Jesus. It is as you say. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they all said. Some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? men who were guarding Jesus began to mock and to beat him and to say many other insulting things to him. This is the word of our Lord. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word for our meditation this evening is taken from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 14. We'll read selected verses beginning at verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. 
the men seized Jesus and arrested him. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, on whom we fix our eyes and set our faith and hope on, dear friends. Christian parents have, have long turned to the Bible for inspiration when it comes to choosing names for their kids. The Bible is just filled with names that not only are nice sounding, but, but names of people that can serve as role models of our faith. My wife and I have named our two kids after people in the Bible. Our, our son, our older child, uh, we named him Matthew sharing the same name with the Apostle Matthew, the one who had been a, a former tax collector that was called by Jesus to follow him and was inspired by the Holy Spirit to record the words of the first gospel in the New Testament. We named our daughter Anna. She shares her name with the, that elderly woman who was at the temple when Mary and Joseph brought the infant Jesus to present him there, and who recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah and was so overjoyed that she spent the rest of her days telling everyone about him. Besides Matthew and Anna, though, there are so many other great names in the Bible, names of men and women of faith, Joshua and Lydia and Timothy and Tabitha and, and dozens and dozens and dozens more. But there is one name in the Bible that I cannot imagine any Christian parent would ever consider naming their child after. You know which one I'm talking about. Judas. The name Judas will forever be associated with treachery and greed and betrayal because of what he did to our Lord on Monday Thursday. This Lenten season, we, we've been considering Jesus through the eyes of people who were there at his passion, as recorded in the Gospel according to St. Mark. But we don't just though want to look at Jesus through their eyes, we want to make sure our eyes are fixed on Jesus Tonight, let's consider him, though, through the eyes of that apostle named Judas. Let's look at Jesus through Judas's betraying eyes. Mark tells us that Judas, one of the twelve, betrayed Jesus. When he says Judas, one of the twelve, he's just underscoring just how incredibly treacherous and horrible and hateful his actions were. I mean, you think about it. Of all of the, who knows, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of men in Judea at that time, Judas was one of only 12 that Jesus had personally selected to be his closest companions, his apostles. You think of everything that Judas, as an apostle, got to see and hear and experience. He got to sit at Jesus' feet for three years. He got to learn from Jesus. He got to hear Jesus and, and see his compassion in action. Judas got to witness with his own eyes miracle after miracle. He got to hear from Jesus' own lips words of warning 
against those who would fall away and turn against him, like in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, if you want an example of somebody who had everything handed to him on a platter and turned his back on it, look no further than Judas. Judas wasn't just an apostle, he was a greedy apostle. The Gospels tell us that Judas had been chosen to be the treasurer of the apostles. He was the one that held the money bag. And the Gospels tell us that from time to time Judas would help himself to what was in that money bag. But it wasn't enough. So he approached the Jewish religious leaders with an offer. I'll hand him over to you. I'll betray him to you for money. And they were more than happy to hear that. And then they had promised us to give him money, 30 pieces of silver for just that. And Judas knew exactly where to tell him he, they would find Jesus, where he would hand him over. He knew that Jesus would be going to that peaceful, secluded olive grove called the Garden of Gethsemane, a place far from other eyes, far from, from prying eyes or the public seeing what was going to happen there. But before he could betray Jesus, in Gethsemane, he first had to go through the Passover meal with Jesus and the other apostles. And so there they were in the upper room, reclining at the table. And then Jesus dropped that bombshell on them all. One of you will betray me. There were 13 pair of eyes in that upper room in Jerusalem that night. There was the 12 apostles and Jesus. Picture all 13 sets, all 26 eyes there in that room. What, what do you think they were doing? Let's start with Jesus. What, what were his eyes doing? What was he looking at and what did he look like? I would imagine Jesus was looking around at the apostles there with him, with sad eyes, but calm and not accusing. He didn't give away which one it was who would betray him. And then 11 other pairs of eyes, 11 of the apostles, what do you think they were looking like as they looked at Jesus? I, I would imagine that, first of all, their eyes were wide with shock, amazement, maybe even disbelief. How could he say something like that? And then maybe they started looking around at each other going, which one is it? And then there was that last, that 13th set of eyes, Judas. What do you think he was doing? What was he doing with his eyes? What was he looking at? Do you think Judas was looking down in embarrassment and shame, knowing what he was about to do? Or do you think maybe he was doing what the other 11 apostles were doing, looking surprised and shocked, and looking around at the others, wondering which one of them would be the betrayer, even though he knew he was? 
I kind of think it was the latter, don't you? It's interesting in Mark's gospel that Jesus doesn't even tell whoever it was that would, he doesn't give the answer who was the apostle that was going to betray him. Other gospel accounts of this tell us that Jesus did give some hints, but hints that apparently most, if not all, of the other apostles didn't pick up on except for Judas. So why is that? Why do you think Jesus didn't just flat out tell him, hey, it's Judas, you're the one that's going to do it? Do you think maybe it was because Jesus wanted all 12 of the apostles to do a little looking inside themselves, to fix their eyes in their own hearts, and ask themselves, is it possible that I could do something like that? Do I have it in my heart to betray my Lord? Jesus didn't just want his disciples of 2,000 years ago to do that, though. He, he wants us to do the same. And Lent gives us such a, a, a wonderful opportunity to do some self-reflecting. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we also turn them inside and we look into our own hearts and our own lives. And we need to ask ourselves, could I do that too? And if we're honest, we must confess, I do that. I betray my Lord by the things I say and the things I do and the things that I fail to say and do. One of the, one of the most powerful and, and I think most beautiful pieces of music ever written was a, something written by um, Johann Sebastian Bach called St. Matthew's Passion. It, it, it depicts the, the passion, the suffering and death of Jesus using words drawn from the Gospel of Matthew. And when Bach wrote the part of the Matthew's passion that we're hearing about tonight, that we're focusing on, the Jesus in the upper room and saying one would betray him. Bach wrote it so that the chorus, one by one, would just sing, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? And then there's a pause. And then the entire chorus joins in singing in unison together, it is I. It is I. It is I who should atone bound hand and foot in hell. Bach got the story of Judas right. The story of Judas isn't just about one evil man who betrayed Jesus 2,000 years ago. The story of Judas is about all of us, all of us sinners who have also betrayed Jesus again and again and again. And that's why it is such good news in this whole account when we hear this. After the, Jesus had instituted the Lord's Supper and they went, the disciples went with him out to Gethsemane, Jesus said, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus wanted to be handed over. He not only knew it was going to happen, he wanted it to happen. That's why he came. The account of Judas, I think, poses us a, a profound mystery. And maybe it's something you've thought about, something you've pondered time, from time to time. And that's this. 
Who is responsible for Jesus being betrayed, being handed over into the hands of sinners and ultimately crucified? Well, certainly Judas was. I mean, he has to take moral responsibility. What he did, he did very deliberately and consciously. <clears throat> and yet that was part of God's plan. And, and we're also told that, that Satan had entered into Judas. But he doesn't get off the hook. He could have resisted Satan. The Bible says resist him and he'll flee. God didn't force him to do that. And yet, it was God's will that that happened. It was God's will that Jesus be handed over. It was Jesus, the eternal son of God's will, that that would happen. That's why he came. That's the entire reason Jesus came. That word betray that, that we hear in this account, that, that we, we think of in, in such a, a negative, horrible, sinful way, that word all in, in Greek, in the Greek of the New Testament, really could be a neutral word. It, it can simply be translated to, to deliver, to hand over. It's a form of that same word that St. Paul uses when he says that Jesus was delivered over to death because of our sins and raised to life because of our justification. So who was it that delivered Jesus over to death? Well, certainly Judas. But ultimately it was God the Father. Who did that? It was God the Father who sent his Son into this world. It was God the Father whose will it was that Jesus be offered up as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. That was God's will because God loves sinners. Like Judas. Like you. And like me. Jesus was handed over because of our sins. He was betrayed into the hands of sinners that he might make full atonement for the sins of sinners like Judas and the high priest and the soldiers and Pontius Pilate and you and me. Let's not just look at Jesus with the betraying eyes of Judas. Let's look at him with repentant eyes, believing eyes, eyes that are fixed on Jesus as the one who takes away our sins. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and know this. Jesus looks at you and me with loving, and forgiving eyes. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.
www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.